if that dog is then adopted into another house with a scaredy cat who hisses and swipes and tries to book it every time they see the dog, like, yes, that is also a cat. But to that dog, that might be a completely different kettle of fish. Hello, you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today, you'll hear the inaugural attempt of what I'm tentatively titling What the Hell Is episodes. They're going to be deep dives into relevant cat and dog behavior and training concepts. And I'll be chatting with my favorite co-host, in quotes, aka Carrie. She is my cousin, and we've been talking to each other basically since birth, so how's that for credentials? She knows close to nothing relevant about cats, dogs, or animal training, so she's got a fresh take, if you will. This episode centers around the subject of cat testing, and Carrie and I talked about some ways shelters and rescue groups try to assess whether a dog is quote-unquote good with cats, what the hell good with cats even means, and whether cat testing is worth the effort. All right, let's hop right into it. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Today, we are going to talk about cat testing. Cap testing? Cat. You know, like this is, it's it's training cats. Oh, yeah, that's what we do. Right. So so it's cat, the the feline I'm I'm with with you. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) So cat testing. I can see in your face, you're like, yeah, what is that? Okay, okay, so you test the cat to figure out if the cat learned what you wanted it to learn? No! No! Wrong! Wrong. It's you you test whether the dog is good with cats. Oh! (laughs) Now there's a dog, alright, okay. We are on the It's Training Cats and Dogs It's Training Cats and Dogs, alright. Yeah. So, cat testing. It is when a dog who's usually in, like, a shelter environment, they're like, cool, do you have any experience with cats? We don't know. Maybe it's, like, an owner surrender or a stray. And they test whether the dog is good with cats before they can then, say, adopt that dog out to a home that has a cat, for example. This is important. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so what questions do you have about that, if any? Okay. Um, wow. Mm. Well, can you just tell me how you do that? Okay. So there's no, like, universally tested good way that everyone has said, yes, this is a nice diagnostic test that seems to predict relatively well what the dog's behavior actually will be in the home. So you're like, well, okay. that's not very helpful. But here's some things that people do. Some shelters have like a cat room where there's like a bunch of cats in cages and they like walk the dog through that room and see what the dog does. I find that room like so overwhelming. (laughs) A human being. Like even my nose is like it smells in here. (laughs) And there's so much happening and I freak out. Yeah. I can see why that doesn't work anything. I mean, it's a thing that they do, right? Some people, some shelters do that. Okay. Does, 
I fail. <laughs> we can discuss whether that's a good diagnostic criteria or not. Others are like they have one singular cat in a room and the cat is like in a carrier and they okay. see what the dog does. That one, that one makes more sense to me. I can hang out with one cat or maybe a few cats. So you're putting yourself in the dog's <laughs> mind. You're like, okay, I can handle that. For purposes of this conversation, I'm currently a dog. <laughs> and then, you know, theoretically, they're looking for some specific behaviors that would kind of pass or fail them, Ooh. them being the dog, to say, like, yes, they've been cat tested and they passed. So we could talk about that in a second, like what those behaviors might look like. Other things that they do is they'll, like, walk around and have, like, if there's stray cats, like, out or, like, uh, outdoor cats near the shelter, they will see what the dog does when they encounter those cats out in the world. Other things that they might do, some shelters um, have, like, a stuffed cat that they might, like, expose the dogs to. A stuffed cat is not a cat. (laughs) I agree. It is not a cat. But, you know, the theory is you're trying to test whether the dog is going to kill a cat, but you don't want them to actually kill a cat. (laughs) Right? Like, I mean, theoretically. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other things that other rescues and shelters have tried that I'm just not familiar with because it's not readily available information like out there of what cast testing actually means. So there is a study that I'll link in the description that is more along the lines of like walking through the cat room. Mm -hmm. And the study is based on like what types of behaviors in that test actually showed up in the adopters homes later. Uh, okay, that seems pertinent. Yeah, it's definitely pertinent. That's why I'm going to link to it. But No, I meant for them to figure out what the actual answer is. <laughs> right, right. You'd think like, okay, well, you know, that should be tested, whatever the method is. And basically, a lot of times we're just kind of like shooting in the dark. You're saying like, if I don't have the information about how a dog does with cats, either from the previous adopter or the previous owner. Yeah. They said, you know, we had a cat, they got along well. Or didn't. <laughs> For I don't why this a minute ago, but when you said kill, did you mean, like, kill? <laughs> yeah. I, I Okay, so the bar is low. Okay, well, that's not actually just the behaviors, right? We're not only looking for cold-blooded murder. We are <laughs> usually the behaviors that would be, like, universally agreed upon would be, like, lunging towards the cat, mm-hmm. like being really stiff and starey and kind of like stalking the cat, like okay. kind of going into this predatory sequence of behaviors that would indicate that they being the dog, like are unable to disengage from the cat. Oh, and okay. if there was no barrier between them, it is unclear what they would do. Wow, unable to disengage actually sounds really relevant to humans. My ears pricked up on that one. That's a good definition of anxiety. <laughs> and I was thinking about myself as a dog. <laughs> if I was a dog, my response would be to sit there and stare at the cat and maybe like shake like a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so staring and unable to disengage is 
kind of a large constellation of behaviors, right? So you're looking at the entire dog. If they're stiff and staring and like kind of forward on their front, like putting their weight more towards their front end and their ears are forward and like their mouth is closed, that whole constellation is very much like, I'm going to go towards you (laughs) in some way, in an inappropriate way, versus a dog that is unable to disengage because they're staring and they would rather flee if possible, right? That's kind of what you were talking about, right? Either like, I'm stuck here, so I'm going to sit and shake or get me the fuck out of here and try to like escape, right? Mm -hmm. Those would also not be great behaviors. Like we don't want the dog to be so stressed by the presence of the cat that they like shit themselves. Most of the time you're going to see the the first constellation of behaviors. Okay. Um, that's what people are tend to be worried about is like, will this dog act in a predatory or overly excited manner towards this cat so okay. that they either stress the cat out a lot or they're actually like seeking to harm yeah. that. So the, you know, your, your original question of like, okay, well, how do we know whether it works? Like, is this actually a good test? No, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> the thing is that like, the whole con I mean, like taking a step back, like the whole concept of like being good with cats is is bullshit. Okay. 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 Right? All right. All right. Wait, bold, hot take. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> While I do drop that truth bomb, what what questions do you have about that? Wow. What do you, what do I even do with that information? <laughs> like like I'm if I'm if I'm trying to if I have cats and I'm trying to adopt a dog, like I'm going to look at the little, the, the, the sweet little placards they put on the, on each of the, each of the doggy crates. And I'm going to look at that and I'm going to be like lulled into a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. And and then there's been this whole rigmarole and I don't have any idea what I'm getting into. It's lies. It's all lies. Yeah. No. So look, it might be that the dog has experience with cats and therefore with most cats, they will do fine whatever Mm -hmm. fine can be defined as, right? Mm -hmm. But every animal is an individual, right? So like if the dog lived with one cat and they grew up together, Mm -hmm. right? And that cat was relatively confident. They didn't run away or hiss or puff for most of the time and everything was Mm -hmm. hunky-dory. Then if that dog is then adopted into another house with a scaredy cat who hisses and swipes and tries to book it every time they see the dog, like, yes, that is also a cat. (laughs) But to that dog, that might be a completely different kettle of fish, right? It's like, I don't know how to interact with that type of being. Yeah, okay. So there's just like the individual behavioral tendencies, like within the same species, right? Like That makes total sense. That also tracks with me for... As a human, I guess if I was going to organize myself into a question, yeah, what am I supposed to do with that information? Like, it seems like as though I should throw the whole data set out and look at my animals and see how they're doing, right? Yeah, so I would recommend doing that anyway. So, like, okay. the most reliable information that you could probably get would be some kind of combination of in-depth observations from both a a previous owner and or a foster family that has relatively extensive knowledge of that animal's behavior in multiple situations. That would be 
the best kind of most holistic picture that you could have, Mm -hmm. but you cannot with any guarantee predict behavior in the future, no matter what, like that's just, and if anyone says they can, then they're lying. These are sentient beings, right? So yes, Mm -hmm. you might say this is total BS. I don't even care about this information. Or you could say, all right, well, I'm going to work under the assumption that they are not good with cats. And then if they show behaviors that indicate that they actually are, and that is in line with any of the information or history that I got from the shelter or the foster family or whatever, Hmm. then I can be a little bit more trusting about what might happen in the future. Okay. Right. Like if you have a, you know, lived with seven cats and never harmed any of them, mm-hmm. you could say, cool, that's good information. I'm still going to make sure that my animals are separated when we first come in. They can all decompress. We can do a slow introduction. All of those things that I recommend in general. But then if you're seeing, you know, very nonchalant behavior from the dog, kind of no matter what that your resident yeah. cat does... Okay, you could probably go a little faster <laughs> in that introduction okay. than you would without any of that information. Okay, cool. So it's not, I mean, I could say like guilty until proven innocent, but it's not really that. It's more like just having a system of structured boundaries yeah. that you gradually relax if you see green lights. Yeah, and that's the, that's the MO anyway, like even if you knew absolutely nothing about the animals previously. Yeah. But the, but the rate that you might progress would might be a little faster. Gotcha. Okay. I would love to hear you break down like uh, two things. What, what do you, what, it, what is the system of structured boundaries? I mean, I, I heard you talk about that in quick terms, but maybe you want to say a little more. And then the other thing is um, what are the green flags? I, I love it when you talk about doggy body language. Okay. I'm going to basically say those should be two separate episodes. Okay. Okay, yeah, I can see that. There's definitely a lot to say there. Yeah, so, like, one, I'm going to write that shit down. Like, one is what are the general, like, how to introduce animals steps. And then part du, like, in in the infrastructure of said procedure, how do we know whether we should move on to each step? Yeah. Cool beans. Yeah, put that on the docket. To be continued. Um, T-B-D. Okay, so... Let me try to think. You know what we didn't talk about? We alluded I to. No, no, no. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what we didn't talk about. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know. So I kind of alluded to this about like the stress level of the cat. Yeah. Being. Yeah, what's going on for the like, cat here? I feel like we haven't represented the cat side of the argument. Right. Like, how would you feel if you were like used as a tool, a diagnostic tool <laughs> in which you had no agency whatsoever? Like, mm-hmm. So, look, theoretically, if they were choosing a cat to do that kind of, like, individual, like, bring out an individual cat and have the dog react to said cat, either in a carrier or behind a a gate or whatever, Mm -hmm. hopefully they would choose a cat who is relatively confident (laughs) in most situations. Okay. Because that would, theoretically stress that cat out less than if it was like, let's choose a scaredy cat and then have a huge jungus dog just kind of like do whatever it may or may not do in its presence. But 
So that would be nice, right? Let's think about the cat's welfare. Mm-hmm. And and shelters often do, you know, try yeah. to know the cats a little bit more. But if it's like an open intake shelter where there's like really quick turnaround, they might not know the cats yeah. very well. Yeah. And that might also be kind of where the let's walk through the cat room scenario might be a little bit more common because mm-hmm. they might just not have time to do a full like, let's pull out a cat and put them in a thing and go on a room and blurdy blur. Mm-hmm. So going back to like, but diagnostically, you would actually want to see how the dog does with cats who have different behavioral repertoires right because that's the thing like if you just have a dog who's with with a cat who's basically like whatevs then that's the least likely to like throw up a flag that says this dog is not going to be able to handle living in a house with a cat that can't handle living in a house with a dog (laughs) so cat welfare is extremely important i think people are starting to think about that and like so, so it kind of calls into question again, like the whole practice, right? Like, why are we doing this? What is what is it actually telling us? And some more forward-thinking rescues and shelters are saying it doesn't, and we're not going to do it anymore. Um, Probably some time too. Although I'm appreciating all the shelter people who do try. I'm sure they have enough to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like I said, there isn't some kind of like standardized thing. Although I will kind of poke around a little bit more in the scholarly side of the interwebs to see if there's other studies that might have looked at things like this. Mm-hmm. But in general, like temperament testing in the way that we're talking about of like putting a dog in random situations, like within the situation of a shelter and being like, is this going to actually translate to living in a home is, I would say it's like falling out of favor a little bit because of people are realizing like the shelter environment is stressful as fuck for anyone involved right so like how how true is it (laughs) that it's like in any way analogous to like living in a house and the triggers that might come up there so anyway that's my spiel what did you you learn something did you learn something are you gonna make me do like a conclusion (laughs) no no, this isn't a test. This is a, this is a, what, do you have anything else that you're like, whoa, okay. I did not know that and I need to know more. Or you're like, great, that was a nice wrapped up bow. I very okay. much appreciate that. Uh, I'm thinking. Yeah, no, it makes sense. The, the shelter, the shelter environment is not the home environment. Like that's one, that's one of my takeaways. I would love to hear more about the stuff that you said that you're going to talk in separate episodes. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I love thinking about how, first of all, I also love that you, you just kind of dropped and then we walked by, but the, a scaredy cat is considered a real thing. Like, I hope that's a clinical term. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, thinking about how the different personalities mesh and, and, um, like I really appreciate about you that you you say that these are individuals, these are sentient beings, and thinking about how I if I, if I were a dog, how I would be having a different conversation with each different kind of animal because I know I do that with humans. Yeah. So I'm good on the questions. Cool. But I'm good at summary statements. <laughs> drop drop some knowledge. Put some bullet points at the end. So 
hopefully we'll, uh, we'll reconvene to talk about structure of introductions and then, you know, some green flags and red flags to look for yeah. Yeah. in some yeah. future episodes. Yeah. All right. This was fun. Love you. Bye. bye. Love you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you learned something new from this episode, or you just liked hearing me and Carrie shoot the shit about an interesting topic, please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any other episodes. And if you want to learn more about Carrie and what she actually is an expert in, go to her website, CarriePaniseCounseling.com, which you probably can't spell, so I will put the link in the episode description. Carrie is a human therapist, and although I haven't personally partaken in any of her services because we're related and that's slightly weird and hugely unethical, I hear that she's pretty awesome at what she does. Right now, she's only taking short-term clients for EMDR or ketamine-assisted therapy, and if you, like me, don't know what those things are, she has resources on her site that you can check out. And if you have any follow-up thoughts, questions, opinions, stories about cat testing, or any other subjects that I've discussed on the podcast, you can become a member of the all-new Cat and Dog People's online community. Head to praiseworthypets.com slash support the podcast to get the skinny on this new program. And that's all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. I will see you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. Cats and Dogs.